Have you ever been watching a bad movie and thought to yourself, wow, any half-drunk jackass could come up with a better pitch than this? Well, have I got a podcast recommendation for you. The Film Rescue Show is a podcast that does exactly that. They take a movie, break down what worked and what didn't, and then pitch a new, sometimes better version. And if you're interested but don't know which episode to start with, I've been on some of the best, such as Red Dawn, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Hellboy, Warcraft, Scott Pilgrim. You can find all these and The Film Rescue Show either by searching for The Film Rescue Show or Jaguar Shark on your favorite podcasting site. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. Uh, how's it going this week, man? Terrible, but not something I want to talk about, so let's move right yeah, on. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been a week of uh, ups and downs for me as well. Yeah? I'm battling a new strain of Nurgle's Plague, which, God, I hate. Sorry to hear it. Grandfather loves yeah. you. No, fucking children are plague rats, and they bring home all these little pestilences. That is also very them. true. Yeah. And then just wreck you in your old, withered body. All right. Well, let's move on to something positive right off the bat, then. Yeah. Let's talk about our patrons, the wonderful, wonderful people that support our show. They are Pam Gelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brenda Nagney, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Dona Lucy, Carson Mel, Scott Ribbon, Derek Guy, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the illustrious legion, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. You'll get all our episodes early for a dollar. Or if you're looking for some extra bonus content, join at the $5 tier and patron will give us some of that money. No extra cost. Anyway, this is an anniversary episode. Yep. We've, 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 we've completed another year despite all betting odds being against us. Yeah. And this makes the conclusion of our sixth year or the start of our sixth year. We are going into our sixth year now. We're, okay, so concluding five years, starting sixth. Got yes. it. Does it feel like it to you? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, because time is a weird concept in and of itself. It's but true. just thinking about doing this podcast for any level of time, like, no, no, that wasn't that long ago. And then I go, oh, that was that was very long. Yeah, that was so next 2018 when we started? Yep, right before my daughter was born. I thought she was older than that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So just finished five years. That's pre-pandemic we started it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing that kind of messes with it. The pandemic really fucked with my whole sense of time. Yeah. Well, it's funny because for me, the, the podcast at this point is just a, it's a standard part of how I conduct, of how I live my life. Interacting with the peeps in our discord who are all wonderful and getting to talk with you once a week. And yeah. It's it's a good part of my life. Yeah, and I want to say, when I say despite the betting odds, that's not saying, like, there's been internal stuff. It's just that podcasts on a whole, most of them do not make it outside that first year. Yeah. It is incredibly hard. It is incredibly labor-intensive. And it's not like we're like we're not huge or anything, but we've no. got our we've got our niche. We've made friends. We have a community. That's all amazing and awesome and not guaranteed. Yeah. No, the fact that we have kept going, that is kind of the achievement, especially considering we came in right before the podcast boom and we were going right during the podcast bust because a lot of people saw the pandemic and went, hey, look at all these people making podcasts. What if we gave every single celebrity a podcast? Yeah. And now and how many of those celebrities are still going? <laughs> Because podcasting is hard and because, more importantly, there's only so many hours in the day. And how much do you really care what Jim from The Office has to say about working on The Office? I think it's hilarious that you have such a specific axe to grind with that actor. I don't. It's just he works really well because I can't go after Conan because everyone loves Conan too much. They but, do? All right. I'll take your word for it. But Conan is the same space of rich dude jumped into the podcasting thing. News outlets talked about like, oh my God, Conan's discovered this wacky new thing called podcasting. And it lasted like a year. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I remember that for me, the only celebrity 
that's like an actual celebrity that I remember felt like it he did it right was probably Kevin Smith, but that he got in very early. Yeah, Kevin Smith kind of mapped a lot of what a podcast is and yeah. built an empire off it. Because, like, I love, for instance, Titus's Armageddon update, but calling him a celebrity is tricky. I think he is, but <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I, he doesn't pass the parrot test, I don't think. Like, Kevin Smith scratch barely gets over the parrot line. Yeah, but... that's why, like, I accept that. I think he's amazing, and, and he's been in the business a long time, so you'd think. He had a national television... Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> What's also... The other reason I go after John Krasinski is because it's not just John Krasinski. It's every celebrity, and some of them I've listened to are great podcasts of pandemic show rewatches. Like, hey, we're two people that are on this show. We're going to rewatch every episode with you. And like, hey, that's fun. Those got corporate as fuck fast and became unlistenable. Yeah. it's Well, it is funny. I was listening to... So I only listened to, to two podcasts, or two and a half, I'm going to call it half, podcast anymore. I listen to Titus's Armageddon Update, I listen to The Dollop, and I listen to The Pastimes, which is just The Dollop Part 2, so I'm going to call that two, uh, one and a half. And I was listening to The Pastimes the other day, and they were talking about how, like, podcasts in general are becoming almost like television. Like, they're becoming far more scripted, they're becoming far more, like, this... Their production values are going high in a lot of places, so that it's you're basically listening to almost like old school radio programs at that point. And yeah, and there's it, nothing. It's a bit of a mixed blessing. Yeah, as I say, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, depending on whatever you're coming to your form of entertainment for. I know in my case, the reason why I originally started listening to things like the Dollop Armageddon Update or watching a lot of like Let's Players and stuff is a feeling of, for like, we're a term genuine sincerity, which you don't get from scripted entertainment in general there are exceptions to everything i'm saying but yeah i'm generally not a fan of what feels like extremely scripted podcast stuff unless it's like an audio drama i don't want anything to do with it yeah or unless it's like v completely educational like if they're yes if they're trying to teach you something and not like just make a joke about it then that, that makes sense but yeah for the most yeah. part I, I like listening to two fun personality two or more fun personalities bounce off each other to me that's the core of this particular kind of entertainment no a podcast that i started loving and then just kind of stopped listening to was fake doctors real friends the scrubs podcast with zach braff and donald Faison. Mm. And that started out real great with them talking about going through scrubs. Yeah. And as time went on, they got more and more and more ads. Yeah. So it became a chore to listen to. And that's another thing, too, is I don't begrudge any podcaster who gets financial support, who gets, you know, ad advertisements. I get it. I do get it. And but I also at the same time, you understand that if I'm going to press that fast forward 30 seconds to get through your heat, that the third or fourth Helix sleep ad I've heard that day, yeah. Then, then yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and it became like five minute commercial blocks every 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm not listening to a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Just not going to do that. It's so funny because yeah, I, I don't know to what degree some of them. It, it, it's weird because like the dollop. It feels like half the time they don't necessarily choose when that happens. It's just the the, the platform interjects yeah. stuff. But Titus's podcast, they do, uh, they just have like a list, and then about three or four times throughout the the hour, they'll be like, "All right, here's a little ad for one thing," and twenty minutes later, here's an ad for a different thing. But they do it, but it's never an inserted thing. It's always so. I don't know. I don't know what's better, but I've heard it both ways. There's even a couple like really small podcasts that have like built-in marketing they do themselves. And then there's the ones that like I listen on Spotify. Spotify puts in and I wonder like is there a threshold you have to cross for Spotify to start putting ads in or is Spotify putting ads in front of ours and we're not getting paid for them? I you know I don't know. I've never, I've never listened because to Because if our you're stuff listening on Spotify. on Spotify or any other website and they're putting ads in, we are not paying getting paid for those ads. Yeah. I <laughs> no one is sponsoring us. And honestly, I don't know how I would react even if we got an offer to someone to sponsor us. I think me and Oliver could have an interesting conversation at that point. But We're a sponsor. Well, that's not entirely true. We have a couple people through our Patreon that have a pseudo-sponsorship like, you know, Scott in his book. He advertises through us. Uh, yeah. Seth Film Rescue. Yeah, but Chris those are... Chris a couple ad pieces. But that's not necessarily a true sponsorship. Well, those are people. And I feel yes. perfectly fine plugging 
people that we have directly interacted with. I love Scott's work. I love the Chippa's work. Like, that's great. But even if, like, a product that I liked somehow came, like, I don't know, my my buddy Woonva got me to start drinking uh, Gamer Sups just because it's a good calorie-free sweet drink i have no idea it's probably actually very unhealthy whatever but if gamer subs reached out and was like hey we'd like you to do ads and we'll pay you i'd still be like ah uh, uh, i don't know i don't know <laughs> if game works i want to start sending me models i will consider it but i can't think of anyone else i'm like i i'm i'm willing to take ad money from i don't even know if i feel comfortable taking ad money from games workshop not ad money. Ad models. models. Yeah, but I don't need extra stuff, and that would be just you getting <laughs> paid then at that point. I'm fine with this. I am not. See, that's the conversation we were talking about. Anyway, point is that, yeah, I don't begrudge anyone, but, yeah, I don't want to hear... There's a certain percentage, right, of, of your material that's allowed to be ads and feel fine, and some podcasts have past that bar yep and that's when i stopped listening to him because i'm a podcast fiend i have lots of podcasts to listen to yeah, i don't, I don't I have, have time <laughs> if i have to keep skipping I'm, I'm done it's funny i because i have a stupid ocd brain okay self-deprecation to decide i have probably actual ocd for years i've been saying i have oc not d because i didn't want to take away from people who actually have a disorder but i've had it pointed out to me several times in the last year that several of my habitual behaviors are actually impacting my life in negative ways which makes it a disorder anyway because of my ocd i i see the little number on my pocket cast like q and it drives me crazy that there's a number there at all for there being stuff in it so i'm just i'm trying to get through it and i've been stuck in the mid 30s for like the last month because i can't listen through them fast enough (laughs) yeah see fortunately i have a job where i don't have to be one i can autopilot my job fairly easily and i can't autopilot (laughs) i I need my my brain needs a distraction for my body can autopilot and do whatever it needs to do so thankfully i have podcasts and thankfully i have lots of podcasts so that it will never run out because there's a lot of great podcasts yeah anyway we don't in this weird like 10 minute rant's not the right word it's an anniversary episode every anniversary episode starts with a rant that has nothing to do with it being an actual anniversary also we're kind of just talking about the state of the medium that we're in like yeah we are still in that is the achievement yeah i mean we're we may be tiny fish in said medium but we're still in it and we're connected to other people who are in it and it's been a great community and a great time and we can talk about like hey here's what we're experiencing (laughs) yep anyway i don't know where else to go with that other than I mean, to me, and I've said this, I think, every anniversary, the the primary benefit of doing this for me is that I have a scheduled, regimented time where I can talk with my brother once a week. Because there was a years before we started doing this podcast where we only communicated in email. And even then, not that frequently. So that's already the prime benefit and that's awesome and so the fact that i've gotten to become friends with our entire discord crew as well as people like scott rubin and the chippa is is like an extra cake on top of the cake <laughs> oh yeah no i love i should say everyone's like the fact that we are an international podcast like internationally broadcast and the fact that we have viewer listeners in other countries and then the cultural exchange we get from having people in other countries has been like this most fun discovery of the discord and like oh didn't even know that was a thing or them going why is america like this and we can go oh okay here's the story behind that yeah like what we've recently been hearing a lot about is it is it where's pedrito from is it portugal portugal yeah, portugal, portugal is a fascinating little country that i need to learn more about yeah so and pedrito's been telling us a, plenty about like stuff in portugal that we did like i didn't know that portugal was basically under for lack of a better term like complete catholic dogma until only like less than a century ago (laughs) the iberian peninsula has got really cool history but that's a whole other podcast yeah and i just recently because of that what like uh two weeks ago i got to engage in like four hours of playing total war with someone in ireland and someone in britain or at least someone from ireland i think they are actually both in britain at the time or okay england sorry i britain's confusing i know (laughs) I blame the English for trying to make everything them. It's like, no, you're not the you 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 were an empire once. The empire's gone. Get over it. 
it's always weird for me to to think about like you go look at maps when the the sun never sets in the british empire during that time and it's like you realize how small england actually is that it could extend influence that far that's crazy but remember what we said we've talked about logistics and the power of logistics yeah i mean one of the most unsung strengths of the roman empire outside of historians is that they had roads that basically allowed them to do everything they did the ability to move shit and move shit effectively, that's what makes an empire. Yeah, and the, the British Empire basically existed because they had sea lanes better than anyone. They had and they had the ships to protect those sea lanes. Yeah. Anyway, what are we here to actually talk about for our anniversary thing now that we're like our fifteen minute intros over? Well, we are finally lifting the Star Wars ban. For those who don't Cue know the triumphant music. Yep, da da da, whatever. <laughs> Probably Star Wars music, actually. But we can't. We don't have copyright on that. So just imagine it. You know what it sounds like. Our very first episode we ever did of the podcast was about Star Wars. Actually, it was particularly it was about the Last Jedi and the Punisher. It yeah, we things. had a weird format when we first started this. Well, we didn't know we were doing it first. In fact, back then, Ulrich had a much more scripted concept for how this podcast would go. Oh, yeah. No, this podcast has undergone several radical changes. Yeah, well, especially healthy for him because he was driving himself crazy with those scripts. (laughs) Yeah, I made too much work for myself. But yeah, our our very first episode ever was about The Last Jedi, which was an interesting foot to start on. Well, The Last Jedi hadn't become The Last Jedi yet. Yeah, we didn't know that. It was just a Star Wars movie that came out, and we talked about it. We were kind of mixed on. We're like, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm pretty sure I was fairly positive. If you go back and listen to it. You were. You were very positive. I was like, I I don't know how I feel about this. I didn't like this, and this felt weird. I like this. And and even after everything, I still am very positive about that movie, but besides the point. For the record, I'm very neutral. I really there's a lot of stuff i don't i don't like the new trilogy in general that's my take and my take is that i fucking hate rise of skywalker but i love force awakens and last jedi but anyways star wars after that as you all know became such an unpleasant toxic discussion point online it's so weird i've come to hate the word toxic even i feel like it's so overused but star wars is i mean we were it always has been to be fair Star Wars has always been just kind of a shit heap to discuss. Yeah, but as the internet has become more and more central to how people conduct their lives, and I don't know at what year we can point that to. I mean, the internet was already pretty ubiquitous by the uh, early, like, 2010s, really. Yeah. I mean, when I think about probably the time Facebook really took off was the time that people started spending a lot more time on the internet, like, like, that was the real, I think, exponential growth factor. And I don't know when that was. Probably, like, 2009 or whenever the social network came out, I guess. It's it's somewhere in there. No, we're anyway, not going down that rabbit hole. Point is that fandom conversations started becoming more exposed. Like, because, again, fandoms... I mean, Simpsons has made fun of that for since the 80s. Like, like I'll just point out, Star Wars has always had a weird kind of conversation. But the internet just amplifies things and certain groups of people started finding ways to communicate with each other more effectively which caused echo chambers that caused feedback loops for how certain ways of thinking about art and people and issues and that just it just gets worse and worse as you keep going down these different rabbit holes i've experienced it with multiple fandoms i didn't necessarily experience it directly with star wars but star wars is such a more than just a geek thing it's basically just a cornerstone of pop culture that you couldn't avoid experiencing that horrible conversation. Yeah. And with rise of Skywalker or last Jedi, the problem became that this, what this, what drove me off is there was two sides and you existed on one side or the other, and there was no middle ground discussion. And then it just kind of permeated into every other star Wars thing after that, to the point that's like, I don't want to talk about star Wars because all anyone does is bitch about Star Wars and it's not fun anymore. So we just did the podcast, we did the Star Wars band. And every time we kind of considered like, you know what? Been a couple years. We haven't done a Star Wars episode. Maybe we should do it. 
I would log on to Twitter and I would see someone arguing about helmets on Mandalorian and go, and this is why I fucking hate talking about Star Wars. People just look for shit to be pissed about. We totally did do an episode, though, about like Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. I remember doing it because I had to watch. We went on someone else's podcast to do it. Oh, fair. Okay, fair. We never lifted it here because that was, again, we kept getting close because we wanted to talk about Star Wars. We had a whole backlog of Star Wars ideas, but the internet kept making me not want to talk about star wars with its stupid petty bullshit yeah and it's to the point where i basically just got kind of sick of star wars as a concept which is sad because again star wars is a cornerstone of culture not even just popular culture just just culture in general like world culture too but it's it's important and it became a topic that I had dread if anyone brought up around me. And because of that, I didn't even want to engage with the material. I had no interest in in the new shows. I ended up watching them because we were going to go on someone else's podcast and I needed to be somewhat prepared. But basically, unless someone twisted my heel about it, I don't, I don't do Star Wars things generally anymore. Yeah, and this all changed about six seven eight months back i don't know how long ago no for Ulrich, but anyway (laughs) now a lot of this is twisting and doing with marvel true same same kind of stuff is happening yes and fortunately i have long left the burning turd ship of twitter so i've been detoxing my social media and feeling so much better seriously if you're on twitter get the fuck off you'll be so much happier there's nothing of value there but i realized twitter star wars marvel they've been on the same thing but I never let this stupidity of Marvel twist me the same way I had with Star Wars. And I decided, you know what? I'm done. We're going to talk about Star Wars again when the time is right. Sure. And anniversary episode. People fucking ruin it for us anymore. Yeah. I'll ruin it myself for me. Yeah. <laughs> again, I still love talking about Star Wars with friends and that's what I'm here doing. So why am I letting jackasses on the internet taint that fun for me? Sure. And so then a while ago, Ulrich told me we were going to do this. We we're going to lift the Star Wars band, talk about something Star Wars. And he asked me for a concept or an idea. And so we have a a friend or a thing we do here at the podcast. If you're a listener, you already know what this is, where we uh, say the, the good, the bad, and the franchise. Where it's generally just a way for us to, usually with a guest, pick a topic and just look at the aspects of, uh, pick a franchise of some sort and look at the entries in that franchise, how they compare, what they are, how we feel about them. Now, normally when we do this, it's just a one and done for a franchise. We look at like everything in it, but Star Wars is too huge for that. It's just straight up too big. So this is being done uh, at the very minimum. We're only doing part of the franchise right now. Maybe we'll do more depending on how this does if people well, are interested. Planning, we're gonna six anniversaries we can stretch this out and part however many we need yeah sure sorry about we'll talk about star wars till we're done till we're tired talking about star wars yeah. sorry about the dogs in my background by the way my point was just that here what this is is a a tentative part one to a good the bad the franchise for star wars and are you are you saying that we've set up multi-part things that we've never gone back to i didn't say that at all but you I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong by you saying it. <laughs> anyway, so where are we going to start? Well, we're going to start with the... Where the franchise go, started. Yeah, we're going to go in chronological in terms of... Ish. Well, chronological in terms of when it came out in the real world-ish. Yeah, so the point is that... Come back I, to part two, it might, it'll might be a bit different. Yeah, well, we're kind of playing it by ear, but for now we're talking about the original trilogy... And, I don't know, anything that kind of came out before the prequels, I guess? Yeah. So Rebels is going to be its own separate conversation. Yeah, and I had talked with Ulrich about, well, about talking about things that take place in the same timeline. No, we're talking about, like, real-world release schedules. So, yeah, we're going to talk about literally basically anything that came out before, like, 91. Yep. So I think our generation is interesting because we've got a foot in both camps of... Star Wars is a thing that existed before we were born and we had this little pocket and it was cool. And then we got more Star Wars. Yeah. So we've, we've got, you know, again, we, we had both experiences. Like we didn't have this big long wait of, oh my God, there's going to be new Star Wars. We got, oh, hey, cool. They're making more Star Wars. That's fun. Well, yeah, it I wasn't do. like this uh, generation defining thing it was for so many people. You remember what year Phantom Menace came out? 99. 
99? Okay, so I was 8 years old when Phantom Menace came out. That means that before Phantom Menace came out, before I even knew who Phantom Menace came out, there was no Star Wars is a thing that there's going to be more of. There was just there's the trilogy. Yep. That's that's Star. Yes, I know there's more. I know there was, you know, We're not specials and books, cartoons comics, and, and com- no. I know, but and games, admittedly games are awesome. Uh but for the most part, yeah, Star Wars was just a trilogy of movies that existed. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no. My dad had the original trilogy on VHS, watched them a bunch as a kid. I don't think Star Wars really existed as anything more than this nebulous concept to me. Of, I knew what Darth, I knew Darth Vader was, Luke Skywalker, Chewbacca, Stormtroopers, fucking Hoth was like my favorite scene to rewatch as a kid. Yep. But it was this very Again, I don't know when I first watched Star Wars. I just know that it was always there. Yeah, I mean, as far as yeah, as far as my brain's concerned, that there wasn't a time where I wasn't aware of Star Wars. There, there are a few things like that, like like Godzilla and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where yeah. I did I don't have a memory of these things not existing, which means that I experienced them before my brain had developed enough to have like cognitive like memories. So by the time that development did happen, they were already just part of reality. Yeah. So again, I think that's where we're an interesting generation of we were born to a generation of Star Wars is already a thing. We experienced it as a standalone thing and then we got more. Yeah, I don't even know what order I saw. I probably saw them in just like clips for a long time and then I don't remember the first time I sat down and like watched them as full pieces. I Yeah. No, I did the kid thing of it would be on TV and I would watch, I would come and stay for the pieces that interested me and I would, you know, pack in and out. Like I have memories of watching the invasion of Hoth over and over again because the, that scene when the AT-ATs come across is really, really fucking cool. I remember Endor. I remember the Death Star. I remember lightsabers. I remember all these things in pieces. Yeah, so but Honestly, I don't know the first time I actually sat and watched them as movies. It's really funny to think that, like, I don't know how old your parents are, but uh, my mother was born in 67, which meant that she was, what, 10 when Star Wars came out. So that means that she remember. It's not to make her sound old or anyone out there who's this old sound old because, in fact, we're all old. But thinking about a world that... Experiencing the world before and after Star Wars, the only thing I can I'll liken it to in our lifetime is experiencing a world before and after the MCU. It's a yeah. similar kind of thing. We already made that comparison once, and it's, it's actually fairly similar at this point. You know, I've never asked my parents, because my mom was 17, and my dad was 27 when Star Wars came out. That means but your dad probably were... has a really good, like, frame of reference then. Well... If he paid attention. <sighs> my dad has led an interesting life, so I'm not exactly sure where or what he was doing at the time of Star Wars. <laughs> Fair. So anyway, so yeah, Star Wars won... Just Star Wars at the time, right? Which because it didn't have a plan for anything more, came out in I want to say seventy seven. I was guessing. I it yeah, seventy seven. Seventy seven. All right, I figured that because it's in season one of that seventy show. Which that's how I always do it. Like I know it's in that seventy show. Yeah, which I be- believe begins in seventy seven. Weirdly, yep. And it was. It's funny because there's all this like background history people talk about what george lucas had planned but i feel like i've seen so much conflicting information on it that the best like and i think one of my favorite bits of storyline is the idea that like his wife basically pulled that story from a lot of his like george lucas is an insanely creative guy and i actually have a lot of respect for anyone who doesn't have respect for george lucas for whatever reason just go watch sam whitworth talk about him and anyway I'm rambling. Yeah. Sandwich was awesome. But yes. the point is that Star Wars was just this creative, weird thing that was kind of awesome and was this contained story. Everyone knows fucking Joseph Campbell. The, I have nothing new to add to that. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of those things that's like, for a longer term, a pure cinematic experience in that it lacks pretension. Like, not that yeah. it's not trying to say anything. It, it definitely is. It's a movie about but war. It but it doesn't have any higher ambitions of itself than, like, yeah, I know this is super pulpy, but we're going to have some fun with it. Yeah, and it's weird because drawing that line of, like, I do have something to say, but I'm not pretentious about it is very difficult. And usually yeah. it's accomplished with fun for lack of a better term. And that's usually the line that's drawn between something that feels pretentious and something that isn't. Well, the thing is, Lucas was passionate about this. Yeah. But he also kind of understood that this is very dumb. <laughs> kind of. Like, he also has... He got shit from everyone on the cast about this making. I mean, there's the famous Harrison 
Ford, you know, line, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. Yeah. And then there's, what's the, the term? I've heard at least one person, I don't even remember who, compare Lucas to like a pre-James Cameron in that he's almost more important for what he did for technology because Star Wars literally changed the technology of the world, Hollywood first, but the world afterwards in interesting ways. Again, there's tons of documents, the documentaries about this shit that are more interesting than what I can vaguely paraphrase and remember. Yeah. Point is, it changed the world, but it's at the end of the day, it's a really fun movie that's just kind of simple. And I feel like anything that I can say has already been said better by many many other people because it's probably the if not the most talked about movie in history like top three yeah and i went through a phase where i tried to find faults in a new hope because i came up in a time of everyone constantly shitting on the prequels like where they were the first ones to have that idea yep and as orcas pointed out by the time i was starting to get pretty much in the internet that was very much in vogue of shitting on the prequels yes yeah, and i was I never have been one of those people. I enjoy the prequels. I have a lot of love for the prequels. So I'd go back like, oh man, you know, New Hope isn't that perfect. And I'd go back and I'd watch it and like, okay, this is rough in spots, but no, I generally can't find anything to bitch about without sinking to that level that a lot of people did for the prequels in just nitpicking the most stupid, baseless shit. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that person. For the most part, I'm not interested in nitpicks either. There are few movies where I will admit to a nitpick being, like, getting under my, you know, in my craw. But that's not the same thing as actual criticism, and I will acknowledge that. Yeah, and again, that, it, it was a big thing, like, oh, the, the plot holes being a thing. No one cares about plot holes. No okay. one cares about plot holes. Yes, that is. Moody, it's it, not, no. <laughs> and I know it's an exaggeration. There are such things as plot holes that will pull you out of the experience, but... They don't exist in this movie. Like, if there are plot holes, they're fucking minor. <laughs> yeah, again. So, no, I went through the whole period of trying to not hate A New Hope, but take some of the shine off. And it's just like, no, it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's a pretty solid film. Yeah. It, I, and it, and the, everything that has come from Star Wars is kind of born here. And that is impressive in and of itself. I mean, not kind of. It totally is. And it is funny because, yeah, I don't think Star Wars is the best Star Wars movie. I think that there are probably two movies that I would personally put above it. But even so, it's still the most important one <laughs> by being the first yeah, one. And well, it's also probably the one with the the most consistent one, I would say. like it Because there's not really a downside to it. There's nothing to criticize. Because it's basically universally accepted that The Empire Strikes Back is a better movie and is yep. probably the best sequel to any movie like in in jump that there is in existence except maybe the godfather part two but i haven't actually seen the godfather oh. part two so i can't compare oh, see the godfather. Uh, t2 makes a strong argument i mean i'm a huge fan of t2 so yeah totally but i'm just There's saying a few but yeah no everyone like empire is in that category of holy shit they had more money and more vision yeah but it's also because like yes i definitely put empire above star original star wars a new hope as we later came to call it in my personal estimations but it's also a very different kind of movie in a lot of ways. Yes, we have the same characters and the same setting and whatnot, but tonally it's way more dramatic, for lack it's of a better term. darker. Like, that was one of the big criticisms at the time was, oh, this is this is so much darker, this is so much heavier. Well, I don't even necessarily... I mean, I agree, but I don't even necessarily mean that because I something being darker is such a weird nonsense thing. I, I think the thing is, oh my gosh, the heroes lose at the end, and that pissed people off. It also just feels like there's a lot more conversation that feels more like what I would expect from other late 70s, early 80s movies. It doesn't feel as unique, necessarily, to itself in the way A New Hope does. But, again, I still yeah. like it more. I think there's so much more going on. The hot scene is fucking amazing. Everything oh, the to hot do scene with... is fucking insane. Yeah, everything to do with Darth Vader. Like, Darth Vader is a great force of evil in the first one, but he's a great villain like character and yes i know there's such thing as force of e force of nature villains i'm trying to i'm getting under my own feet uh yep. whatever vader's awesome <laughs> in, in empire strikes back specifically probably the best vader's ever been in a whole movie not not his best scene arguably the best vader's scenes are actually in recent stuff but as a whole movie yeah best movie for vader well empire strikes back is fun because it, star wars always kind of felt like its own world because lucas has crazy amounts of good and bad ideas 
Yes, that is true. Empire Strikes Back, they they did it even further. They went even bigger. We got even more crazy shit. So again, just the like we saw the Empire as this big thing with Death Stars and TIE Fighters. And then we got fucking ATATs and ATSs and like, oh what the fuck are those things? Yeah, and don't quote me on this. I'm I'm paraphrasing an interview or not interview, a panel that Sam Witwer was at that I watched a, a YouTube by the way, if you don't know the name, Sam Witwer is an actor slash voice actor who has done many, many Star Wars things, got his start in LucasArts by being the face and voice of Starkiller in The Force Unleashed, but since then has done things like be the main voice of Darth Maul in most of the animations. But and he's also won many Star Wars trivia things. Like the man just loves Star, loves Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, like his love for Star Wars is infectious and almost is a great cure for the for Star Wars cynicism. Anyway, he was talking about how, apparently, the way that Empire came about actually involved, like, George Lucas made a very specific deal with the the parent company that that made original Star Wars, where, like, they he basically gave up, like, rights to the, uh, not, he didn't give up rights, he gave up, like, the money that was going to be made off of Star Wars the movie so he could keep rights to the franchise and all the merchandise. And yeah, that was his big thing is he took like a he took a box office cut to take merchandise and franchise rights. So then when Star Wars became the biggest fucking movie ever and then the studio afterwards was like, you know, we want another one. Wait. We don't own the rights to make another one. And so because Lucas... sequels weren't a thing that you did. Yeah, and so Lucas instead took the money that he had made and funded Empire himself, primarily. I, again, yeah. I don't know the exact ratio there's breakdown some, of that. But... In there, but yeah, Lucas basically, this is where his studio, come, like uh, ILM came from, and his whole production stuff was born out of. Yeah, and by the way, I know we're not spending any time talking about the plot of the movies, but it's fucking Star Wars. I'm not even going to entertain. I'm not going to do that. I'm you not going to entertain the idea that you that you're listening to this and you don't know every fucking detail of Star Wars, even if you've never seen the movies before. Somehow. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about the big the uh, the capital F in the franchise here. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's just re- these these behind the scenes things are particularly interesting for me when it comes to to these three movies specifically. Yeah, but no, Empire is, it, it's bigger, you know? It's like, okay, Lucas kind of stepped away from directing, but he was still the idea pitch man, because as we really discovered, Lucas needs an interpreter to take all of the ideas. He barfs up and goes, okay, half of that's crap. This stuff here, really solid. Tell me more about Yoda. It is funny. I feel like it's almost a shame that Lucas didn't get to do more stuff like, uh, was it American Graffiti? Was that because again, not that I don't love Star Wars, but Lucas is an insane creative. Like the man is insanely creative, but I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole him. And I almost feel like it, we, I wish we could have seen him do more different stuff. That's unrelated. The thing is, though, like if you want to see what Lucas would have been without Star Wars, look at the career of Francis Ford Coppola mm. in that. Yeah. A lot of great movies, a lot of bad movies, bankruptcies because <laughs> good movies do not necessarily lend themselves to being profitable yeah okay fair but francis Ford coppola is still seen as literally like oh don't get me wrong francis Ford coppola is a fantastic fucking director but i do agree that in general george lucas and i don't know the man anything i say is complete conjecture based on years of seeing interviews and reading things about him and whatnot i do get the feeling because again, I mentioned his wife basically, you know, helping him out with the first script. That yeah, from the beginning, he's a man who needs someone to. I don't want to go as far as to say like you know, rein him in. I don't think that's the right term. No, but just someone to help direct his his particular creative urges. Yeah, because some of his ideas are just bad. <laughs> And we'll talk about some of those bad ideas as we go along. But some of his ideas, just bad. Yeah, but Empire Strikes Back is interesting for another reason for me, which is that Star Wars, right, has that classic, it's just a hero's journey. It's literally the go-to, call it, you know, example of of Joseph Campbell, Hero a Thousand Faces journey to the point where I'm fucking sick of hearing it, and most people at this point are sick of hearing it, so I apologize for even bringing it up. But it means that... All that means that Star Wars A New Hope is very it's very simple, is very contained. It has a few interesting tricks up its sleeve, yes, but for the most part, it's a pulp adventure kind of movie. Empire Strikes Back feels more like, for lack of a better term, feels more like a character study 
than an actual adventure story in the way that that star wars does like we're just spending more time with these characters in different stakes like there's a very simple set of stakes in the first star wars in empire strikes back this the stake goalposts whatever keeps moving and it's nebulous the whole time because it's not really important what's important is hey here's luke meeting with some crazy old jedi person learning more about the force hey here's han and leia figuring out whatever is going on between them hey here's vader and his interaction with the emperor who looked way worse back then if you haven't well, seen we'll get we'll get that yeah time. yeah anyway but and you know what's going on with that and why does he seem to have some past with sky like it's all much more let's look at these characters what kind of what they're doing in these situations let's explore them the actual i mean literally at the end of the movie the big climax stakes are are not like we're gonna blow up a whole planet like they were in in star wars they're just my friends are getting captured like th- my three my three main friends my three or four main friends one of them's put in carbonite and i gotta go save them it's literal character-driven stakes instead. And that's, yeah. that's kind of great. I, I love that shit. <laughs> then, I mean, there is the big reveal that I don't know if I never didn't know that. Yeah, I don't think I ever didn't know. But I don't know. Again, we've talked about I don't remember a time before Star Wars was just the thing I knew existed. Yeah, and it, which, you know, Vader being Luke's father, there was a time when that was insanity. And, again, just based on years on the internet... It is considered top three movie twists of all time. I would argue number one, but a lot of lists I've seen online put Planet of the Apes at number one, and I understand that, but I yeah. I do think that the character-driven nature of the Darth Vader reveal makes it bigger for me personally, but I understand. I don't know. I haven't really introduced my daughter to Star Wars yet, so I I, I don't think she knows. I bet she's cultural osmosis. That I she might cultural osmosis, but she just doesn't care enough about Star Wars, so yeah. I don't know. But even then, I don't know if it would even be that big of a thing to her. She'd be like, oh, okay. Because the villain is the father of the hero has become such a used thing now. Yeah. But but back then, even the cast, for the most part, didn't know. That's, again, another famous yeah. behind-the-scenes story is that Billy D. Williams... Or not Billy D. Williams, sorry. Billy D. is uh, uh, Lando. And uh, James Earl Jones. The fact that I mixed that... I feel really shitty about that. Anyway, they're both awesome. But James Earl Jones was told just before he recorded it. But the guy who was actually in the Vader suit said the lines, uh, Obi-Wan killed your father, or something like that. So that's what all the people are. The only people who knew were, the outside of the people who wrote the fucking thing, were were James Earl Jones, because he had to record it, and Mark Hamill was told before he did the scene so that he could react properly to the information he was being given. And, like, that's it. Holy shit, let's talk about Mark Hamill's performance just so, for a sec. Okay, well, I want to be clear about something. Mark Hamill is highly underrated, and accusing yes. a Star Wars actor of being underrated is really weird, I know. But the man is one of the best voice actors ever. Yes. Period. And that's the thing, is like everyone thinks that that's some kind of backhanded thing of, oh, he's a voice actor now. Because he made so much money in fucking Star Wars, he got to do whatever he wanted. And he's like, I like doing voices, and I'm really fucking good yeah. at doing And he voices. landed the Joker, uh, basically, and he didn't think he was going to get it, because by his own admission, he's like, there's no way they're going to cast Luke Skywalker as the Joker. And then he got it, and he's been doing voice acting ever since, and he does regular acting every now and then, and he's a he's great at both. He, here's what I'll say. He's very good as an actor. He is phenomenal, one of the best voice actors period and so seeing those early performances and seeing like what kind of stuff he does is fascinating for me yeah no if you haven't seen him in the fall of the house of usher he's great in that in a very underplayed kind of stoic quiet role but he does it perfectly he's also freaking hilarious yeah and he's i mean there's a reason why when i think of the everyman young mark hamill is literally the image that comes to my mind like, yeah, Luke is a chosen one narrative eventually, but the way that the performance of Luke the farm boy evolves is that of the everyman who's chosen for, you know, a greater purpose and rises to the occasion, and he does it perfectly. Yeah. And part of it is he has a, such a natural charm, and it's a different kind of natural charm than Harrison Ford, because Harrison Ford's natural charm is roguish, which is why he makes such a great Indiana Jones, why he makes such a great Han Solo, whereas Luke feels, I don't know, he feels like Superman, in that same kind of way yeah. like he's just a perfect nice what like morally good figure yeah no again he's perfect for that one 
we'll talk about we're saved talking about Carrie Fisher for Return of the Jedi because there's a bunch of great Carrie Fisher stories in that one. Plus, she's probably I would argue the most important name in the cast for a few reasons. But anyway, yeah. So, anything we want to say about Empire? I mean, I think I've touched on all the stuff I mainly care about. I it's my favorite of the original trilogy for a lot of reasons. But yeah. Oh, I still think. So I'm of the opinion, right, that probably because I watched a lot of anime growing up and I watched a lot of cartoons that are like superhero stuff or violent things, but I have an interesting, not interesting, interesting to me, probably super boring to everyone else, but I have, I look at fight scenes differently than just are they cool. And don't get me wrong, there are some fight scenes uh, in movies, like I love The Raid, most of the fight scenes in that aren't anything other than watch essentially Mortal Kombat in reality. (laughs) But I like fight scenes that are themselves a narrative. And you see that anime tends to do that way more often than Western animation and Western media in general, weirdly enough. But you still see it every now and then. And the lightsaber battle at the end of The Empire Strikes Back is still, if not my favorite, it's like top three lightsaber battles. And yes, I know it's not technically complex because they didn't have like... They didn't have the same choreography that they do now. Yeah, but it's all atmosphere and music and blocking and like facial acting on Mark Hamill's part and the they don't have to have complex choreography for the, for the lightsaber battle to feel great. And that's something that we'll talk about in later parts of this franchise that adding complexity doesn't make your fight scene better <laughs> inherently it can yeah. if you're doing other things but no it's definitely in the top three I had to think about it I'm like yeah no it's definitely in the top three cinematic lightsaber duels yeah i mean arguably just probably if i made like a list of my top 10 movie battles between their fights let's say duels because battles a whole different thing yeah duels yeah it's probably it, it no it's it's definitely in my top 10 duels oh period. 100 anyway that leaves us with Return of the Jedi, because again, I'm not here to talk about the fucking holiday special or any of that shit. Sorry. Nope. Weird Al's got a documentary coming out about it. Yeah. Return of the Jedi is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened to Return of the Jedi, but it, it's missing something. I don't know what that something is. And I am not interested in the fucking Ewok criticism. I'm not. I mean, yes, I'm not a fan of Ewoks. I wish they were but... Wookiees. I, I really wish they had been Wookiees. Just on Kashyyyk. Not, yeah. And it had been Kashyyyk, but you know what? Yeah, but at the same time, made that. I, yeah, I don't care. Like, I don't hate Ewoks. I don't particularly I'm not like a fan of them. Yeah, I don't particularly like them either, but I feel. still fun. Yeah. But I've spent years hearing the Ewok hate, and I just think it's so overblown. And yes, again, the whole plot, like. A plot hole thing, quote unquote, the Ewoks technology being way under the stormtroopers. I, I don't care. In the real world, we've had guerrilla warfare for you know. Yeah, I mean, that, and not even that. It's more just listen. Stormtroopers are the bad guys, meaning they're as competent as they need to be for the point of the movie to happen. Yeah. So instead, what do we have? Well, we have the opening, which I actually think is basically perfect. Seeing yeah, see, seeing Luke as basically a fully realized Jedi for the first time. Take on Jabba's palace is awesome, and everything yeah, it's a about fun little mini Star Wars thing all its own. Yeah, that, like that could have been released as a short film in between movies. On it, it, I, it, it barely registers as being part of Return of the Jedi for me, but it's probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> and then after that, we have a real major slowdown where we just have a lot of conversations with people. You know, Yoda's death, which is all right. Talk with Obi Wan Ghost, which is exposition dump is okay. It. It just feels like, all right, we have a conclusion. We've got to wrap up a lot of individual points here. So we've got this whole, like, honestly, the first two movies don't feel like their second act drags. They're paced perfectly. Return of the Jedi's second act totally fucking drags. And maybe that's that's where you need some tightening up. I don't know what you cut or what you do, but yeah, no. Because the third act. It's fine. Second I, Death Star aside. Yeah, again. That I, I really hate that that keeps being a plot thing in these movies. I'm fine with it when it was the second one. When I'm even fine with it when it comes to Starkiller Base. But yeah. But that was it. Like after that, I I am in agreement with you. But anyway, the the Emperor getting to be like a proper character and doing yeah. a whole lot of stuff is great. The oh, the, the reveal of the Emperor is great. Yeah, the Emperor's reveal is great. Luke and Vader's 
interaction is not as good as the Empire Strikes Back one, but still is, like, really solid, kind of Errol Flynn-style choreography, and seeing, like, Luke literally have this kind of, like, it's a mora- it's a morality battle at that point, because yep. there was not the same information on both sides in the Empire Strikes Back duel, but now there kind of is, so it's... It's a whole different type of fight. And then, yeah, all the stuff happening on... What the fuck's the Ewok planet called again? Uh, Endor? Endor. Yeah, Endor. All right. Well, and... here's the great debate. Let, let's, let's get ahead of this one. Okay. It's either Endor or the Forest Moon of Endor. I don't know which. I honestly don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I, I know that it's called the Battle of Endor because it's happening over yeah. Endor. Again, so. I, I, I don't want anyone to tell me or correct me because I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not interested enough in Star Wars Minutia. I, yeah, I, I, nope. I used to be. I'm not anymore. <laughs> nope. I, I, you know what I'm talking about either way if I say Endor. Yeah, exactly. We know what you're talking about. And maybe because the Ewoks are neutral for me, but yeah, I find most of the scenes on the moon of Endor to be uninteresting. I This is the movie where Han is the least compelling. I feel like Han basically gets nothing to do, really. I, know I don't he does. know what Harrison Ford was up to at this time. Yeah, I mean, he does do stuff, but none of it, like, stands out to me. Like, I know yeah. he, he goes on, like, a mission himself to, like, take down the shields, of, but I don't really remember most of it. Yeah, this is uh, Princess Leia's movie to do shit in. Yeah, basically. Because, okay, let's let's talk about the whole... Let's, let's give Carrie Fisher her time to shine, because holy shit, the more time goes on, the more I realize the treasure we lost when we lost her. Yeah, admittedly, though, her... Okay, Carrie Fisher was awesome from the beginning. I mean, in that yes. first movie, even, the the characterization of Princess Leia is such an interesting swerve to a lot of what you might expect from that kind of character on purpose, because she's, you know, she's a princess, but she's also a diplomat, but she's also a rebel, so she's got a lot going on, and Carrie Fisher plays it with basically a perfect, you're charming and I like you, also I'm kind of scared of you, but also that's kind of attractive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the second movie, she gets to do the same stuff, but now she gets to be basically, there's no, like, rescuing part of it, so it's just her kind of driving a lot of the decision-making, if she can. And, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, this one, she gets to do action stuff and be kind of an action heroine and... I mean, she did really, in the first movie, too, but yes. No, she did, yeah, but this one, she gets to, again, killing the job of the hut scene. That was my mom's favorite scene yeah. forever. She's like, oh, when Carrie Fisher gets up and kills that big, ugly slug monster. I uh, love that You know, scene. until you said that just now, I totally forgot about her like i was thinking about her later on that yeah i I just i don't like remembering slave leia exists so that's a fun again the fun one is the thing but carrie fisher how she talked about that yeah always brings a smile to my face because you ever heard her talk about that costume like one time i vaguely remember seeing a youtube clip about it so she says the thing was hard plastic Mm-hmm. which meant that it didn't move with my body. So if I had to make any adjustments, you saw from here to Florida, and I'm telling you now, the guy that played Boba Fett got an eyeful more than once. <laughs> and I just love that brash openness about Carrie Fisher. And she has another great thing, referring to that costume. She goes, that fucking costume. They're going to fucking bury me in it. They're going to have to let it out, because I'm telling you, gravity has a way of things. But I'm going to be buried in that goddamn costume, thanks to goddamn George Lucas. Yeah. Well, the fact that over time, Carrie Fisher, you watched Carrie Fisher's give a fuckometer drastically plummet <laughs> over time. Well, ma- she, she got successful enough that she didn't have to be contained and not say things. And that's when she got, that's when she was so good. Yeah, and by the way, as two men, I feel like we don't have the right uh, frame of reference to talk about a lot of the stuff Carrie Fisher actually went through in the industry, but go listen to her talk about it. It's wonderful. She's got, there's tons of clips on YouTube. I think she's got a special somewhere you can watch. She's got a special called Wishful Drinking, which if you haven't watched, is perfect. Yeah, so she's great. Go watch her talk about it. But point is, Carrie Fisher was fucking awesome. (laughs) And then even then, in the controversy of, you know, when they, they discontinued the costume and, you know... Someone said, well, the reason is, you know, parents don't know how to discuss it with their children. She said, I'll tell you how I discuss it with children. The bad slug made me put it on. I didn't like it, so I killed him. Yeah. There. <laughs> that killed the bad slug. <laughs> Again, Carrie Fisher was a gem that we did not appreciate while we had her. Absolutely. And as another actress that I'm like, why wasn't she in more stuff? I know that she did do plenty of stuff, but not like well-known roles, really. She became a right... A, She's a huge writer, ghostwriter, yeah. fixer, because I think it was... She well, again, same, she actually... same bullshit. Yeah, well, I was going to say, actually, I, I know why, because she was tired of what Hollywood was doing to her in general, but anyway. And again, if you're a, in front of the camera, you have to filter what you say. If you're a writer, they don't care as much. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and then, you know, Return of the Jedi ends, and it's 
it's fine. It, yeah, and you know what? It, it's funny because I've seen since then. I've seen several shows and movies and whatnot have these kind of endings where then I see people complain about like, oh, well, are you just going to forgive the bad guy after years of evil? It's like, well, the point of the story is to be an optimistic, you know, redemptive Listen, story. Okay. That's It's a positive message. Let it. Let, let, let's address that. No, you do not have to forgive Vader for his shit. The universe does not forgive Vader for his shit. Mm -hmm. Luke makes peace with his father. Yeah. That's what it is. That is the ending. It's not a redemption thing for Vader. It is Vader to go, I fucked up and recognize that he fucked up. And Luke to go, I have made peace with my father. Well, I'm sorry, I, the line mm -hmm. of, I want to look on you with my own eyes. Yeah, I, I will argue that there is a redemptive quality to it, to him literally yes. turning on the Emperor and ending the the war, as it were, by being the one to kill the Emperor, quote-unquote, bringing balance to the Force then. I mean, technically he already did that, but we'll talk about that in the prequels. Yep. But yeah, I do think that the way that the movie is going about it and a lot of stories like this are go about it are no we're not going to push the idea of like punishment and torturing the man realized came to a conclusion that what he's done is wrong and he did everything he could with the remainder of his life to to rec to rectify what he did he literally died trying to correct some small portion of the evil he'd put out into the the universe and that is a a message that is very important i think especially for a young audience of like yeah you know it's never too late to to fix or to start trying to fix what you've done to turn around to be better to be good because yeah, that's the other side of this these were again not always but as time went on lucas followed the money and went kids these are movies for kids i need to make the message simple and direct to them yeah, and I also parents suck. I, parents suck in general. <laughs> but if you can forgive them, I very much agree. I very much agree with that. And I also very much think that it contributes particularly to how Return of the Jedi is. But I am very cautious about saying it because I do not agree with the implied concept that a movie made for kids is somehow inferior. Because I think there's oh, many yeah, times no, no, no. where that's not the case. And Ulrich and I have talked about those times. I don't like that as shorthand of kids movie means dumb. Like, but no, I, do think, I do think it's true that Return of the Jedi was the first one made explicitly with children at the forefront of its core yeah, audience. Probably. And I do think that contributes to how it was constructed the way it is. Maybe. I don't know how much that really came into it all. That's, again, just my thoughts, and I, I'm not claiming a causation, necessarily, of, of quality, anyway, but I am claiming correlation. Now, one thing I have to bring up, because this has been a long-standing discussion point in my family, is my mom is mad to this day that when vader takes off his helmet it's not james earl jones under there and i'm like how how would that work he's like i don't know i was just so pissed that james earl jones did not get to show his face as vader like you know what i never thought about that but i actually i kind of wish they had done that well here's the thing like mom you know that james earl jones is the voice of vader do you know who played vader well, no that's his one second of facetime in the entire movie oh, and the guy okay. had a complicated life let's not not gonna go down that rabbit hole i didn't know that the guy playing him i thought that they changed actors because the guy originally who played was in the vader suit got actually pissed about because he didn't no, know no. that his voice was gonna get changed oh he was he was pissed about that but he was very big and imposing, but he didn't have the bass rumble that they wanted. Yeah, I mean, James Earl Jones' voice is iconic as fuck. And yeah, no, he's he's got his own mixed things. He was very pissed because he feels like he was forgotten as Vader. I'm like, yeah, that is true. He said and did some other things that's less good, but mm. neither not going into that one. Okay. And again, it's been this big controversy in my family. It's like, I get what you're saying, but one, that guy deserves some screen time, and two... Do you really want to put white face paint on James Earl Jones? Okay, well, first of all, I wouldn't have done that. I would just let him have a black father. That's fine. <laughs> but. Then you have. Yeah, but. but there's other questions. I'm like, okay, I'm not I, I really don't think it does because in the entire trilogy, we never see Luke's mom, so it doesn't, doesn't fucking matter. But. That is true. Still, I don't know. Genetics are a thing. You don't get blonde hair, blue eyed. Well, okay. I ain't going down that. So say jeans. You want to get into a conversation about jeans? It's possible. Yeah, anyway, say. not the point. But your your first point, I'm much more in agreement with. So you know what? I can see both sides. I like. I think you make a compelling argument when it comes to the actor in the suit. 
Sure. Yeah. No, it's just my mom was always expecting James Earl Jones to pop out of that suit at the end. And the thing I saw James Earl Jones at the time of Return of Jedi, like young James Earl Jones, and it fucking rocked me. Like, oh, I have never seen you not as an older man. I'm looking it up now. <laughs> it's a head trip. Young James Earl Jones. Let's see what we got here. That is odd. I mean, he's he's not like unattractive. He's He's attractive, but it's not. Why does he look like? Who does he? He looks like someone. I can't think of. Anything. I immediately thought of Keith David in They Live. Mm, his face is rounder than that, but yeah. But I think it's the bald head. Huh. That was the image I saw. He had a bald head. I don't know if the one he has a bald head and what you're looking. Yeah, no, at. I'm not seeing a bald head here. I'll, I'll share the picture I'm seeing so you know exactly what I'm thinking of. Sorry, those listening are not seeing the picture. Is Google Young Dreams Earl Jones? Oh, he looks like. Oh, God. Lawrence Fishburne. A little bit. Like a, th- a very thin Lawrence Fishburne. It's the hair and the beard that makes me immediately go to Lawrence Fishburne. I could see that. But yeah. No, again, it's, it's still a head trip to see this picture of him at the time. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's like seeing a picture of your grandparents when they were in their 20s. Like, that doesn't. It is, it is funny how certain actors have this, like, quality of... Well, I mean, the go-to for me is always uh, Steve Martin, who, yep. seeing him without white hair is the weirdest fucking thing. But he went white in, like, his 30s or something like that. Yep. So, anyway, point is, Return is fine. It's, I, it's probably in the lower... If I were to, like, rank all Star Wars movies, it's probably in mid, like, maybe below the halfway point by, like, one. It's, like, right in the middle. Uh, it's in my back lot, but... Yeah, but it's fine. It's not bad by any means. It's no, it's actually... It's, it's got good. plenty of good. It's just... Yeah. It works. <laughs> I don't think there's been a truly bad Star Wars movie until we get to Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, yeah. You know what? Even though there are, there's one movie, or actually, well, okay. I disagree. I think Attack of the Clones is also legitimately bad, but we'll get there later. All right. So last thing we got to discuss, because we're talking about the original trilogy, we got to talk about the remaster controversy and how, again, people got themselves twisted in knots. Before we say anything, it is accepted almost as fact at this point that the remaster trilogy goes too far. That there there are many reasons why uh, an unchanged version of the original trilogy is desirable i will contest there are a handful of things that the remaster adds that are worthwhile and that i'm glad exist but yeah i'm not going to contest that the remaster doesn't go too far no there's tons of stuff in there that's just like oh that 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 doesn't work yeah one of the the best as i mentioned earlier one of the best things that the remaster does is update the emperor in empire strikes back if you you can find footage of what the emperor originally looked like and it is not the emperor weird yeah and that seems like a small thing but considering that sequence in empire strikes back is so important i don't want to be distracted by how not imposing (laughs) the emperor was no there's lots of little things i love like i love they they added a bigger halo around the first death star exploding I love that Tamora Morrison is Boba Fett because I like Tamora Morrison and I like seeing him get work. Yeah. I'm actually Um, one of the few people who will uh, even defend... Defend's not the right word because if you hate this, I don't actually think you're wrong. I I like having Hayden Christensen be the Force Ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi. I actually enjoy that. That's And again... We're not going to touch on, well, should he, does he deserve to become Force Ghost? I don't, know. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I know that there's actually, like, a lore argument that it's supposed to be, like, the last time he was an actual Jedi, but the last time he was an actual Jedi is when he died, so having him look like an uncorrupted version of himself, whatever, I don't care. Seeing, we still... Nobody cares, Sean. (laughs) Exactly. Seeing Hayden Christian show up there is a cool connective tissue, and at this point in time, I feel like the internet has kind of come around hating Christians, so I don't feel, you know, in danger saying that. Yeah, uh, there's the Han one, which has been done to death. I'm not even going to explain yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. If somehow, because it's actually almost gone so far in the other direction now that if you don't understand, you know, Han shoots first, you know what, I envy you. But yeah, Han shoots first, so fuck that one. Um, the, the thing is, like, and then people get twisted, like, why did Lucas have to go back and keep doing it? Because Lucas was making changes on these movies forever. Yeah, he's a perfectionist, and he's... He's, He kept going back and going, well, what if I did this? Well, what if I did this? Well, Well, also, again, I mentioned the whole James Cameron thing. As technology became available, he started realizing, like, I can do these things that I literally couldn't do before, so let me do them. Again, to what degree they were a good idea for you know, the piece of art. I'm not here to debate. I'm just saying that in his mind, he's like, yeah, I already wanted to do this. I just 
couldn't, and now I can. For anyone listening, if Ulrich just got very robotic there for a moment, then I apologize, because I don't know how to fix that in post. Not... Ah, crap. Alright, we're running out of time. Yeah, the Omnisci is... the clock is ticking, so... So anyway, last remaster thing I can think of is... To give an, to give proof that, like, Lucas wanted to do these things, but he couldn't, and then he could later, just look at the Jabba-Han sequence in original in A New Hope. Now, should that sequence be in the movie? No, we don't really need it. But the fact that they shot it back then, and then, like, CG'd Jabba later, is a perfect example of, like, yeah, Lucas wanted this scene from the beginning. He just literally couldn't do it back then. So, if I don't know how much this is going to be cut up, but... Ulrich is the Omnisci is 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 taking him away from me. So we've done to the ending. To the ending. Yeah, we've done about an hour and ten minutes at this point. So uh, and it's gonna be cut down probably a little bit. But this has been our the good, the bad, and the franchise of the original Star Wars trilogy, along with the remaster. We are almost certainly going to, at the bare minimum, cover the other two trilogies. Just because we'll probably also touch on other things around that it we hope you find interesting if you've got other stuff you know similar things you'd like to talk about then you know let us know i would normally pass this over to ulrich to give us an outro maybe he'll cut one in later but we're not gonna do suggestions of the week this time because we're doing star wars stuff instead we'll just be like hey physical media star wars part of the conversation talk with us in discord i don't know ulrich you have anything to say in your robot voice before we go uh, I'm just going to cut in one of our canned outros. You sound this. fine now. You've corrected. Oh, of course I do. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, let's record the outro just in case, and I may cut in a canned outro okay. anyways. So then go ahead. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Do all the things because it's because you have done all those things that we are still here six years later. So keep doing those things. And six years later, we're still on a lot of the podcast hosting sites. So we hope that we're on one of your choosing that you're listening to right now and not one that you had to compromise with. If there is some other one you'd like us to be on, tell us about it. And if it's feasible, we'll make it happen. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.